what it do, baby? Welcome to Time to Jets. I am your host, Ed R. Zoom and Big Zoo. You can hit me up on that Twitter machine, at ZooBeard77. Let me know your thoughts on uh, what we saw on Sunday, what you're thinking now. A couple of days removed from the game. You got a little time to digest. What did you see? What are you looking for going forward? Who's kind of uh, maybe at fault for the performance over the weekend? I'll get to who I think is at fault for that performance on Sunday in just a second. But I want to tell you all real quick or just remind you to, you know, hit us up with a subscribe on wherever you are currently listening to us, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Amazon Music. We appreciate it. And we also like uh, if you can help it out with a five-star rating. That always helps uh, keep the lights on, as we like to say around here on uh, Time to Jets. So without further ado, I want to get to my thoughts on who is truly at blame for Sunday's performance, because I've been hearing a lot of different people saying a lot of different things, a lot of people putting it on Joe Douglas, a lot of people putting it on Zach Wilson. I personally... And I don't think there is much question to this. Believe that the performance that this team had on Sunday is all chalked up to the play calling of one Mike LaFleur. And it's 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 honestly it's really difficult to look at this team right now and look at this offense and have any type of confidence in them with the way that LaFleur has been calling plays so far. I mean Just look at the first drive. You go out there against a Patriots defense, a Bill Belichick-coached team, a veteran defense at that, and you run the ball, first down, gain a nice chunk of yards. All of a sudden, you decide to get risky on second down. Call a pass, thinking, oh, maybe I'll catch old Bill off guard over there. You're not going to catch Bill Belichick off guard. You're not going to be able to outsmart him And by calling a pass there, all of a sudden you have an interception because you have a rookie quarterback who has adrenaline flowing through every morsel of his body. You got to understand the situation if you're LaFleur. You got to understand Zach Wilson is overhyped in that scenario. He's not the same quarterback you're working with on the practice field or you've seen in any other preseason or even the Carolina game last week in that situation. He's going to try to force things. He's going to try to make things happen because that's what rookie quarterbacks do. That's what rookie quarterbacks do when they're trying to make a good impression and a home opener on their fan base who has given them all the love. You know what, though, LaFleur? I'll give you a, I'll give you a mulligan on the first one. I said to myself, okay, defense is playing good. We look good out here. Let's keep it going. Second drive, get the ball back. Huge first down run. Big old gain, 12 yards, first down. And all of a sudden, yep, you guessed it, another pass play. And what happens here? The ball goes right through the hands of Corey Davis. Not Zach Wilson's fault. Corey Davis should have caught that ball. And if he doesn't catch that ball, there's no way it should be going right through his hands. That's just, it's it's difficult to explain. But the first two plays... Don't go Wilson's way. Both balls get picked. All of a sudden, you're looking at a QB on the sideline, dejected, looking like, oh, I just lost this entire crowd. 
I just lost this team this game and feeling like I don't know if I'm going to be able to complete a pass right now. And whether there's admission to that or not, that's what's going on because you saw it in his play for the rest of the first half and for a majority of the second half until pretty much the last two drives they had. He was able to complete a couple of nice little dinker passes, get confidence up because that's what you're supposed to do with a rookie quarterback. You're supposed to get their confidence up. You're supposed to build up the offense with them. Show them, hey, we're moving the ball. So you know what? When you run the ball on a first down on the first drive of the game against a really good defense with a smart head coach who's been doing this for a long time, you keep running the damn ball. You always hear about this Shanahan offense. Oh, the Shanahan offense is so great. It's it's incredible. Look at what San Francisco does that makes them so incredible. They come out and they establish the run. They make sure that you are not going to be able to stop them on the run before they start getting anything else going. They'll run the ball eight, nine, ten times sometimes to start games. You've seen it. I've seen it. Jimmy Garoppolo in the playoffs threw, what, seven passes in a game? I mean, come on. That's where you need to be right now. You should be doing that with Zach Wilson at this point in time because he is a rookie. You're letting him rip. You're letting him go out there and let it rip as if he's a 25-year vet. 25-year vet, damn, my bad. 15-year vet who's really just got it going on, you know? Like who's got who understands the league, understands defenses at a high level, has been there, done that, seen that, knows these players he's going up against because he's gone up against them so many times. You set him up for failure by doing that, and you killed his confidence on the first two plays, two throws of the game for him. And what did that do? It got into a third interception at the end of the first half where you really, really needed a drive. You needed a drive, and nothing happens. It goes to where you're running the ball on a third and two, calling the same play inside the five-yard line, You get stuffed, and now you kick a field goal on a drive where you absolutely needed to score seven. It's those little things that kill confidence in players. Little things like that that kill confidence in offenses for the entire game. Defenses for the entire game. I mean, that defense played their asses off, and all they have to see, all they have to look at is an offense go out there and turn the ball over. Receivers not being able to get open because they're just running the same damn routes all the time, over and over again, trying to get open when they're not because the Pats have it covered. You have to be able to adjust to that. That's what it's. That's what it is being an offensive coordinator in the NFL. And Mike LaFleur is a rookie offensive coordinator, and right now he's learning on the job, and that's fine. But you can't learn on the job when you have a rookie quarterback that you are responsible for developing, that you are responsible for making sure that he is able to ease into the game, that he's able to succeed. You're putting him in positions for success. And right now, that is not what Matt LaFleur is doing. Matt LaFleur is coaching this as if he has, I mean, Aaron Rodgers running it for him. And when you don't have Aaron Rodgers running the system, you can't do that type of, you can't run that type of offense. It's just Zach Wilson is not Aaron Rodgers, at least not yet. So you really need to be able to understand that if you're Matt LaFleur, 
And things got to change quick because this has been the worst start that you could imagine, imagine for him as an offensive coordinator because now he's getting scrutiny. And, I mean, it's not often that the OC is going to take heat like he's been taking before anybody else on the team does. And I, in my personal humble opinion, if he is unable to get this together soon, there are going to be effects left on Zach Wilson that are going to be there for the rest of his career. You're going to see confidence. You're going to see just ability out there all decrease because of what's going on right now. Because it all comes together. It all comes and goes together. And God forbid he gets to the point where he is having serious questions throwing the ball, where he is having serious you know, issues getting the ball out quick because then you might see him start to get sacked a lot more, hit even more than he is right now. And when that happens, that's when you might see unfortunate things start to pile up because we've alluded to this before here on the podcast. He's a slider guy. He's a smaller guy. You have to protect him. He can't be getting hit like this. And the offensive line, while they did better this week, they're not special. They're not going to be having great games week in and week out. It's just, that's just the reality of it. Matt LaFleur needs to understand what his offense is and what it needs to be for this team to be successful and for these players to be set up for long-term success. And right now, I don't think he knows what that is. And that's not good. That's not good for this team. That's not good for Zach Wilson, most importantly. And it needs to change very quickly because four interceptions on Sunday, you're going into Denver with a really good defense this weekend, which we will talk about when that time comes. But for right now, we're going to just focus in on the moment. And right now, it's not going to, it doesn't look too good unless you see a change unless you see a focus on running the ball where the team had a lot of success over the weekend. I mean, Michael Carter had a heck of a game. Rookie running back. Ty Johnson had a heck of a game. These are both guys who you can rely on to get you 10, 15 carries a game. Let them do it. Let them get 15-plus carries a game. There's no reason not to. Don't let your quarterback get hurt, and don't put him in positions for failure where he's set up to fail. And then have him to continue to throw the ball and continue to put him into bad situations with terrible calls for what the defense has been giving you throughout the game. You have to be able to adjust to what the defense is giving you. And through two weeks, and these are two good defenses, Pats, and I think Carolina has potential to be a top five defense in this league this season after watching them through two games. I think that. I believe that. Still. LaFleur needs to be better going forward, and it needs to start this week with Denver. But I don't want to I don't want to make it sound like all of the all of the issues with the Jets right now are caused by Matt LaFleur, because that that would just be factually incorrect. I mean, Matt LaFleur is a rookie offensive coordinator. He does need to be cut some slack in that regard. I mean, He still needs to be better because he has the job. And when you have a job, you need to perform. 
And when you're a GM, you know, kind of like Joe Douglas, let's just, let's just use Joe Douglas as an example here. You know, you need to make sure that you are making good decisions for the future of your ball club. And going out, getting Robert Sala is a great decision. Going out, bringing in LaFleur, good decision. Comes from a good pedigree. You know, seems to be a smart guy. <laughs> and then you draft Zach Wilson, rookie quarterback. So you have yourself a rookie head coach, a rookie OC, and a rookie quarterback. Now I'll take Robert Sala out of this equation for a second because this doesn't really apply to him as much as it does for LaFleur and Wilson. That when you have that kind of a combination, you need somebody to be in their ears, to be in that room that is a little bit more experienced, you know, maybe a quarterback to be able to, after two difficult, awful interceptions for Zach Wilson early in a game, can go over to him and say, hey, Zach, you know, I've been there, man. I've been through it. Let's just let's take it easy. These are long games. They were the first two passes. At least it wasn't the last two. You know what I mean? Instead of Matt LaFleur going over there and being a coach. It's just a different perspective. All really great quarterbacks have some other quarterback to mentor them. The Jets for Zach Wilson brought in Mike White. Now, Mike White might be a really good football mind. He might be a smart guy. Might be a decent player, but Mike White is 26 years old. He's still looking to make a career for himself and, you know, potentially be a starter in this league. I mean, he's young enough for that dream and aspiration. That's not too much to ask for. And I mean, he's watching that game. And unlike a veteran who's been there and done that, and he knows why he's there to help mentor this kid and if necessary, get into games. Mike White is watching that game happen, and he's going, ooh, you know, Zach's throwing some picks here. You know, maybe I can work my way onto the field and show I got a little something-something here. And he knows that he won't be the starter for the Jets, but if he's able to go out there and play a little bit and show he's a baller, maybe he earns some snaps. Maybe all of a sudden, you know, if anything happens down the line, another game like this occurs – he goes out there and plays. Maybe then he's able to find himself a job next year where he's competing with somebody for a position. Mike White's not thinking about how can I help Zach Wilson get through this game so that he can be a better quarterback next year and the year after that and 10 years down the line. Mike White's not thinking about that. When you had Josh McCown here for for Sam Darnold, that was Sam Darnold's best year by far. Sam Darnold, you saw progression. You saw he had somebody to lean on that wasn't a threat. You know, and that's not to say Josh McCown's a bad quarterback or anything like that. It's just Josh McCown as a guy in his late 30s as a career backup isn't going to be, you know, taking Sam Darnold's job for the long term. That's just not reality. And Josh McCown knew that too. So that's why it's a good situation. It works. You have a guy who feels like, hey, I can I can bestow some wisdom and I can pass it along, pass it on and figure out my way as a, you know, next step in my career, whatever that may be after playing. That's the kind of guy you need right now for Zach Wilson. And you had a chance to get some dudes in the offseason and Brian Hoyer. I mean, 
You could have traded for Nick Foles, and I don't know how great of a, a choice that would be in going for Nick Foles, but that is an, that's an option that was there, and you just completely sneezed at it, you know, spat at it. That's, that's a bad job. It's a bad job by Joe Douglas because now you're in a place where you had the blow-up of a game occur on Sunday, and Matt LaFleur 100% at fault for that because it's his play calling. It's everything that he's doing out there and not adjusting to. But Zach Wilson getting out of hand, Zach Wilson not being able to turn to anybody that's a vet, a true veteran of this league with experience, has been in winning cultures, you know, seen winners, seen good players play, that absolutely hurt him. And... I believe in Zach enough that he's going to bounce back going forward and, you know, come back ready to go Sunday, play his ass off and, you know, do his thing. Cause that's who Zach Wilson is as a player. But there's only so often you can do that. And if these games continue and you don't have somebody to kind of help you out as a mentor, which is a much different relationship than a coach. It can be the same. The coach can be a mentor, but most times it's not. He's not. She's not. That's just that's just reality. And it's tough to see this happening to Zach. And hopefully, hopefully there's a way to address it before the end of the season because I think that's a it's a really bad job by Joe Douglas, and that's only one of his bad jobs that he's done so far here. I mean. 2020, we got to look at this draft class real quick because I saw a tweet from Connor Hughes on Sunday right before kickoff. And what does this tweet say? I have all my juices flowing. I'm all hyped up, feeling good about the game, feeling good about the team. And then I see this tweet, and it kind of just sunk me back down to reality. It listed all of the Jets draft picks from 2020, all nine of them. There was one player who was going to be on the field on Sunday. That was Bryce Hall, cornerback, starting obviously, so not a bad pick. I mean, and he had a decent game, six-rounder, but that was it. Everybody else was either injured on the practice squad or inactive. And the inactives, LaMichael P. Ryan and Denzel Mims, I mean, I don't think neither of them are going to be cracking their way into the... uh, Lineups or rotations anytime soon of the skill positions. Makai Becton down first round pick with the knee injury. And I got to be honest with you, Makai Becton to me, I'm, I got, I don't know how to say this, but I don't think he's going to be a good fit for this team going forward. After watching George Fan for an entire game at left tackle, this isn't that George Fan is a better player than Makai Becton because that's not true. Makai Becton does not have the agility to play in this type of an offense. And George Fan just completely showed that to me. He made it obvious that, oh, wow, you need a left tackle that can move around, that can get outside and make these blocks because Makai can't do that. And on the pass blocks, he's tired because he's trying to make all these blocks for runs. It's a difficult, difficult thing to see. It's a difficult pill to swallow. But, I mean, the 2020 draft class is a complete dud right now. 
Braden Man is going to be a great punter, but I mean, you got two six round picks in Bryce Hall and Braden Man. I don't think either of them are going to be going to Canton. No offense to neither of them, but that's just nothing to hang your hat on, especially when you had nine picks in this draft and your first and second round pick. In my opinion, I don't think you're going to see Makai Becton or Denzel Mims on this Jets roster come training camp next year. I think both of them are either traded or cut. I think Becton will probably get traded. I don't know what the value is on Mims right now because the coaches keep coming out every week and saying the guy pretty much has nothing. He doesn't play special teams. He doesn't know the playbook well enough to get out there. It's just, it's an excuse. It's not even excuses. It's a, it's a, it's a hit on him every single week. And I don't know what the heck you do with him because you probably got to cut him. And that's going to be even more embarrassing than anything else. Because now those two guys are gone. Your first or your first third round pick was Ashton Davis, but another third round pick in Jabari Zuniga, he's on the practice squad. I mean, so three of your first four picks in the 2020 draft are I, in my opinion, not going to be with this team next year. And Ashton Davis, he'll be here by default because it's a decent team-friendly contract. He's quick, and he can play to secondary. And he can return punts and whatnot. He's a guy that has value. He's nothing special, but he'll be here. That's just not... It's a bad job. It's a bad look, especially with the way that, you know, this team is shaping up right now. You, you had a whole draft class now that's going to be gone within a year, potentially two. And that's unacceptable. It's unacceptable as a GM. That's unacceptable as an organization. And, I mean, Joe Douglas needs to be needs to be hoping this team gets it together because he's not on the hot seat, Joe Douglas. He won't be anytime soon. But if he... If this team has as bad of a year as it's looking like it could be and Zach Wilson suffers from what Matt LaFleur is doing to him with no veteran to help him out, to give him a little guidance, and Matt LaFleur is unable to adjust, then Joe Douglas will be facing one of the biggest off-seasons of his entire life. He'll be facing the biggest time period of his entire life because if he fails... If he fails this offseason, then this team is going to be a disaster. And he is never going to get another job in the NFL ever again. And I'll say that with confidence right now. I don't want to. <laughs> I hope it doesn't happen. But that's, the, that's what it is. Also what it is, real quick, Sheldrick Redwine. Waved. Bye-bye. For anybody that was wondering what Sheldrick Redwine was up to after uh, Sunday's game. He will be uh, on the waiver wire looking to get picked up. Eh, good luck to him. Another guy bites the dust. Well, I think that's it for me. I let out a lot there. Sorry, guys, if it was uh, a little bit of the same. It's been a tough week, and I think we need to kind of focus on where we do need to get better, and right now that's offensively because the defense, they played great. And we'll keep watching them to make sure that's not just something that's happening early on but something that can be continued. 
and we will monitor that through the season. But the offense is an absolute disgrace right now, and we had to spend time today talking about him. I'll do a little more. We'll talk on Friday because we got a lot to we got a lot to worry about this weekend when we talk about this team getting ready for the Denver Broncos. And there's a lot of time to break it down before Sunday. I'll talk to you guys Friday. Have a great day. Enjoy it. Remember to give us a subscribe and a five-star rating if you can. And follow me on the Twitter machine at Zoobeard77. You can tell me if my thoughts are out of my mind or, you know, if you agree with me. Or if you have any other thoughts or blame to put on anyone else. Let me know. Or if you just want to vent. Yeah, I'm here for that too. And without further ado, it's time for me to jet. Peace.